Welcome to Wham, everybody. We're here with episode three. I'm Nolan. I'm Nick. And we're going to be talking about the best superhero movie to ever come out, Batman and Robin. This was a fantastic movie. I loved watching this movie. I can't believe... Right after we finished watching the movie, we tried to look up how much it actually made, and it said it was the worst... One of the worst movies ever made. I mean, Wikipedia legitimately said... I was just looking up up the rates, and just at the bottom it said, this is considered one of the worst movies ever. I'm just like... it's, It's not great as a, like real person movie as a film it's but not as good. a as a time capsule of like the 90s as like a an ironic comedy as like a fun action thing it's a lot of fun but i can tell that somebody went into this and this was around the time that top gun came out i think imagine going from top gun to batman and robin <laughs> Dude, i think the I mean, first we can we can start off with I guess the suits are pretty important, yeah. the the nipple suits primarily. This isn't the first nipple suit, though. is it not? Val Kilmer in Batman Forever I think also had. Did he have a nipple suit? I think he also had nipples, and I think that's why they kept up the trend, and that's why in this movie you have a line from Poison Ivy where she goes up to what was it either Batman or Robin because she's hitting on both during this, but she goes, "Oh, I love an atomically correct." Uh, spandex suit. <laughs> it was or whatever. so funny. Yeah, it's just totally poking fun at the whole movie. And at the beginning, they have those really tight like zoom ins on Batman's like cheeks in Robin, and they're in their like sack and everything. Uh, it's just not. They're bulge, I guess. Yeah, but, they're bulge. The uh, the butt, the abs, and then the face. Oh, I yeah. love the suits. They're but so. I think horrible. the suits were really cool. I think they're. I think this whole movie. This whole movie feels and looks like it was just a comic book that was just immediately made into like a movie without I get it. like a lot done. I I will agree if this was like simply a comic book, if they did this exact same story in a comic book, it would feel like, yeah, that's something that would get written in the 90s. Yeah, that fits. But this uh, the writing definitely wasn't wasn't great. I think Batman said hold on maybe like 24 times. It was hang on. Hang on. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hang on. And they that at the end the scientists were falling off a thing. Hang on, and then they were he was gonna grapple them up. Hang on. Is it always a pun? Because it always seems like just like hold your horses. Like okay, we're gonna this is gonna take a little bit of time. But it's always when people are hanging on to something. I don't know if that was a pun. I think he was just saying hang on. It's just a line that was just it keeps, a pun. I don't know. So much of this movie was just puns. I don't. I couldn't tell you what was it. Every time Mr. Freeze spoke, he couldn't say anything without making a cold joke. Every single and then whenever he started attacking the party, just chew, chew, chew. cool out, man. <laughs> uh. So in, what do you think of back to the kind of the comic book thing yeah, yeah. with the set design? What do you think about the set design through the movie? Uh. Before, uh, I mean, we were talking about this so much during it. Each time they show a new location, it has to have some sort of, like, giant marble statue attached to it. It's all over Gotham. Everything feels, well, understandably very gothic. Maybe a little bit of art deco in it. And then there's these statues attached to everything in such a dramatic way. It feels like they saw Tim Burton's uh, Batman uh, Gotham. And they thought... Man, that's really cool and colorful. What if we did that, but we gave the set designer <laughs> an unlimited uh, pass to like a museum and like two pounds of crack? The whole 
with the the statues they just kept getting bigger it was just it was like there was like statues outside of like wayne's house there were horses and then there were like some like normal city statues there was one it was just like a guy holding two like light like lamps it was just two balls in his hand and then the observatory is just this was being titan. held out by a giant man don't forget the uh the giant dude that they went down um when they were like on the batmobile and the robin bike that they like so big that you could slide down one of its fingers. Yeah, it was the finger was at least one Batmobile wide. It was they're pretty huge. And he also just cuts off. He so through this movie, there's a whole dynamic with Batman and Robin where Batman doesn't like keeps getting in Robin's way when he thinks he's gonna like get in trouble or die or whatever. And Robin's like, "Stop treating me like a kid." And so that's like a whole thing. And so he almost kills Robin by just turning off his bike when they're chasing Mr. Freeze on one of those huge statues. And he like almost dies. He's like two feet from the edge of the finger. I'm going to protect Robin by making sure he doesn't take this risky jump that he could fail at. Instead, I'm going to stop his engine while going down basically a cliff of a man's arm. And he's going to have to slide his body against concrete as he's going down not not the brightest uh, it, i mean we see this dynamic a lot with batman and robin where it's like it's more of a battle of he doesn't want to be treated like a kid he wants to be trusted by batman and that works if this was sort of like a, a father-son connection and you heard me get really pissed at this when they try finally like um trust each other batman like looks over the robin and says you're like a brother to me what are you talking about? Yeah, they don't have the father-son... They don't have the father-son dynamic, like, at all. Even in, in the beginning, um, Alfred... There's a point earlier on where Alfred and Barbara are talking, and um, Alfred is, like, he's like, I've had the privilege to call these two men son for years. So, like, he treats them... He treats Dick like a son. Yeah. Batman treats Dick like a son. And but then, it's a bro yeah it's like a brother thing and at some point dick kind of like tells a little bit of his backstory like he brings up the flying grayson yeah but a it's just little bit. it's a passing remark and then he says like one more word with circus in it like two sentences later yeah. and that's it that's all we ever hear there's i mean that's a that is a big thing for it if you're gonna have robin be in theaters the first time since like adam west batman it might help if you explain who he is like we've, there were three Batman movies, um, two Michael Keaton's and then one Val Kilmer before this, and then this is the fourth one in that. They're all sort of sequels to each other, I guess. They're like spiritual successor kind of deals. Yeah. It feels like. But at no point was Robin mentioned. So if you're gonna have it, you need to reference, like, oh yeah, here he is. I brought him from the Brian Flying Graysons. He's been dying. <laughs> no, his parents died. Yeah, I, I guess his parents did die because they didn't they didn't even say anything. They didn't it's, say it's just he dude. If Robin in this movie was just a guy that was like he was just like hired temporarily, it still would have worked because we yeah, don't know anything. We don't know. Anything. I don't want a full like uh, I don't want a whole backstory and a whole section where it's like we see Batman like getting bringing Dick Grayson into like into his house. But I just want to know something. Him looking at a picture of his parents like sad something but we don't know anything and so it's literally we're dropped immediately into the relationship between batman and robin when we have no idea who robin is besides it's batman's sidekick it's weird that we're supposed to think 
multiple things about this Robin. We're supposed to think that he's been with him a long time, at least from the context of he looks older, he has all of his like bikes and stuff there. But at the same time, we're supposed to believe that Batman doesn't trust him at all and they haven't built any sort of strong connection to each other. And he's supposed to be a grown man who also just lives in this house, I guess. But like, wouldn't that make it a son dynamic? I because Dick Grayson, I'm pretty. Isn't Dick Grayson just like an adopt? It was an orphan that Batman yeah. adopts. He gets him at like nine years old in the comics. Yeah. So then I don't. Like I said, I don't want the whole backstory, but just like there's nothing. We don't. We don't know who this man is. I mean, let's let's not act as if this is like the best. Um, adaptation of these characters like let's look at barbara who's obviously batgirl in the comics barbara gordon's barbara gordon's daughter but in this is alfred pennyworth's uh what nephew niece Uh, niece yeah it's alfred's or is her her like uncle and she's she came in from england and she goes to oxford yeah her background of course being her parents died and then she went to oxford and then she got really into street racing and then she got kicked out of Oxford for street racing. So she made a lot of money, which is ultimately going to the fact that, which is a major plot point, uh, Alfred is dying of um, McGregor's syndrome. That's yeah, what it that's was what it was. Because she wanted to just kind of like take him away. And she didn't like the idea of Alfred just being a butler. Yeah. And like serving. Um, which is never brought up again after she goes ham on it. Yeah. I mean, it's a valid point, but they never, they never touch on it again. They just yeah. go full on on Alfred's dying. And then Bruce, whenever Robin finds out, Bruce is just like, I know. I know. And that that's it. And it's just, oh, okay, it's not wow. Like, it's, it's not like Batman's like, I will use my billions of dollars to find a cure for this as the only father figure I've really ever had in my life is dying. It's more like, well, you know, he doesn't like to talk about it. Yeah, you know, he's old. Like, what is that? He doesn't, he doesn't care. So in the... In this movie, I think, um, what, what, I guess the villains should be there next. Were, yeah, there's obviously three major villains that are through this. There's um, Arnold, who is uh, played by, no, who plays Mr. Freeze. And that has to be one of the most notable things of the movie. That's what people meme out of it all the time. Yeah, Arnold, I think Arnold was definitely, I don't want to say he carried the movie, but when Arnold is on screen versus it's, like Poison Ivy or Bane, I was yeah. much more entertained. Yes. Just because he was constant, he was constantly making puns, which was, it was okay, I guess. It was pretty, it was pretty goofy. It was bad. But he was always doing something. Like he had those bombs. He was trying to freeze the city. He was what, like. he had, he had a giant sled he went on. Mm-hmm. He had a giant like uh, bulldozer that he would go on to. He had a rocket ship. It at was the like beginning. yeah, it was like extreme stuff versus Poison Ivy. It was she was still in like little leagues kind of. She just backpacked off of Mister Freeze at the end. Poison Ivy was a, I I hated her in this. I will say really I why, I think the biggest part for me is I think they wasted Uma Thurman in the role. And also, this is very mean nitpicking, but did you ever see every time she's talking, it sounds like it's ADR, like it was recorded later? It doesn't always seem perfect, but I think it's just because of how, how like, eccentric she was making all of her movements and everything. Because it was very, she was trying to be very, like, exotic, I guess, with all of her movements immediately after she was, whatever, dumped dumped with venom and poison and stuff by the doctor. This doctor, he... 
<laughs> he goes like the what was her original name before her, she was she was pamela Isley. yeah she was dr pamela was making all this um like stuff to make plants fight back so that they wouldn't get killed by humanity i guess yeah she was trying to make them infused with snake dna for some reason rattlesnake and then she's like rats my rattlesnake experiment failed is like the first thing we hear from her and then she tries to go find out what's happening discovers bad doctor with bane yeah. using her venom and everything Stuff goes bad. The doctor tries to, like, come on to her. She Ugh. refuses, and he's just like, well, I'm sad you said no, but since I can't handle rejection very well, you'll I'm... have to die. Ugh. And then he just, he just, and pushes Ugh. her into, like, a Pushes her of... into a vat, and that, like, sort of, she's like, ah! Yeah. And then the floor just dissolves with her, and she falls into a giant pit. She falls into a, a purple a purple hole that appears from the ground. And when we come back to him, he's on the phone with some, like, leader of a foreign country saying, Yes, I will sell you Bane, and you will have the ultimate fighter with you. He calls him, like, your, what, your ruthlessness? Yeah, your ruthlessness. What, like, Saudi king wants to be called that? I mean, dude, I guess if he wants to, I wouldn't say no. Like, if he wants to be called your ruthlessness, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, sure, that's me. Whatever, man. And then while he's on the phone, and you... You kept yelling at the screen, hang up. Hang up Because he was still on the phone. He was was... still on the phone as uh, Poison Ivy steps up from the ground and starts doing, like, a magical dance. And at one point, she's holding herself up like Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's very resurrection-y, like, thing happening. Oh, yeah, that might explain why they did that. I'm stupid. But it's just... Through the whole movie, she's... Her entire character is just that, like, sauntery, exotic, whatever... Yeah. um, Man-eater kind of personality. Along with, um... I don't like people i like plants but like the biggest thing is like i think the best way to show that is to highlight ruthlessness of like people towards plants that never happens there's the one point where she goes up to bruce wayne and she's like you are putting carbon dioxide in the air and you're putting bad coolants into the food and then bruce wayne just says yeah but if i didn't millions would die and she's like okay cool let's do that and she's like yeah whatever and then she walks away and that and everybody just sort of like laughs it off like oh it's just another like, eco goon oh, okay. or something and then after that scene they set up this thing where like they're gonna go they're, uh, Batman's selling off the Wayne Diamonds to hopefully lure Mr. Freeze who is fueled by diamonds somehow his suit uses diamond lasers that keep him at zero I guess which is I think oh I mean obviously that makes a lot of sense because when you need diamonds to to make a laser, obviously the diamond just disintegrates. It just there. it just eats the diamond, yeah. And also, you think he gets mad if they rob like jewelry stores and it's all like cubic zirconium? It's like all just fake diamonds. He just gets really pissed. Or does it like just not run as good? <laughs> For making fake products, your deals are cold. Well, <laughs> Something like that. Is it? Well, I wanted, is it like a? Is it like a diesel gas kind of thing, or is it like premium or just like regular unleaded kind of thing? I don't. The synthetic stuff doesn't work. Yeah, for I want. I want to know. Is would it would it break his machine? And then <laughs> you but... just see him like at a store, just like, what are the specs on this? Are they clear? Are they are they blurry? He probably he probably would be a really he'd be a diamond expert. He would just have to, I guess. Yeah, I guess he point. would have to. Yeah. But so at that scene where they're 
they're trying to auction off the diamonds. Poison Ivy comes back in a monkey suit and she starts dancing at the top. We lost our minds. It was, she she like comes, everyone, they're like auctioning off the thing. People are like $5,000 for that hot girl up there. Yeah, just like a date with a woman, which is um, big at charities. Sure. And then she just gets up on this like, like just thing where everyone can see her and just starts dancing in the big monkey costume. And everyone just turns around, including Batman and Robin standing there and just complete looking awe. so dumb. They're just, oh my god, just dumbstruck. And, and this is before she even takes off the monkey mask. They're just looking at this ape dancing and they're like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the costumes, the normal costumes are good. The secondary costumes are better. Do you remember how hard we laughed when we saw Bane in a trench coat in a fedora riding around in like a taxi bringing around Poison Ivy? He's a little driver. And he, st- and he stayed in that costume for a lot of the movie. For a majority of it. He unless- was also in a monkey costume too. In the monkey costume. It- he just showed up at the end of that scene. Just- he just took the mask off and like, oh, Bane's here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Forgot about that. Uh, they did Bane... Should I say, I don't know if this is better than The Dark Knight Rises, but it resembles Bane more. See, I don't, oh, 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 no, now I'm remembering, yeah, I don't like The Dark Knight Bane because it doesn't, it's not like a monster, like, that's what, whenever I think of Bane, I think of, like, like that, like a huge, grotesque, like, veins popping out of his arm, green fluid guy. I think this really gets down, like, the, the, uh, the visual stylization of Bane. It shows off the venom aspect of him. It shows off the buff aspects. I think maybe Christopher Nolan's Bane shows the more intelligent part of Bane, the sort of warlord and like, uh, I guess, gang leader that he's supposed to be. Yeah. If we got something in between that, we would have something that people recognize, or not most people, but just like the people who Nerds. spend $5,000 on comics say, that's my Bane. That's my Bane. But uh, you sort of have to have them separated, I guess, for the general audience. Because you can either be a, a like, super uh, roided brute, or you can be, um, I don't know, Tom Hardy, who's really against Wall Street. Like... I don't. the The only way they ever have that too is if the smart guy gets strong at the very end. Like that's the end fight. You're right. Yeah. That's yeah. The, But you never have a guy that's already that just is strong and also smart. It's just not a thing that we really get. Besides, maybe. I mean, in this movie, we saw Arnold in like a nice little lab coat and glasses for a little bit, and I thought that was really funny to see. It was funny because like, Arnold we're supposed doesn't... to believe he was some scientist before well, that. Like, no, supposed, he wasn't. I'm supposed to believe Arnold Schwarzenegger was a scientist. He, he was governor though. Actually, he was governor a few years after this movie came out he was he was writing down campaign slogans he was thinking about it dude it was because he was elected in 2003 well i think another thing that's interesting is wouldn't this be around the same time that like uma thurman is dating or maybe even marrying ethan what's his name ethan hawk yeah yeah yeah. i think i don't know but i feel like uh just imagine by the way bye honey uh i'll go see you uh on set and she's like please don't come to set please don't come to set I think, um, yeah, so Bane, I really, really enjoyed. I think uh, ju- just the fact that... He's a good henchman. Yeah, he was a good henchman, and they didn't overcomplicate it with no. him at all because they didn't need to. Yeah, this was really a two-villain movie, and then Bane's just like a henchman. This was a two... I, I think it was a two, because we had two villains, two heroes, and then at the mm-hmm. end, we kind of have Bane, and then yeah. we have Batgirl. Um, but... 
one thing I didn't like about Poison Ivy is that she didn't use... Like, when I think Poison Ivy, I want her to kind of control plants and vines mm-hmm. and stuff. And in this movie, I think, like, we kind of touched on it when we were t- watching it, mm-hmm. is that she only... The plants are kind of sentient, I guess, more than she's actually just controlling them. Yeah. Like, it, there's only one instance where the vines actually grab somebody, and she just says, my vines have a crush on you. But she's not, like, making them do it. It's basically just, like, their own free will. Yeah. yeah. And that's, like, that's fine, but I wanted to see more of it if it was going to be like that. Mm-hmm. And then the whole thing with the plants, she wanted the plants to rule the world, but then Mr. Freeze wanted to freeze it. And those don't work those, together. These are conflicting ideals. Um, <laughs> I don't think your snake plant is going to survive cold. She's just going to plant a lot of, like, winter trees. Just Imagine a lot of evergreens. never-ending Christmas. <laughs> Mr. Freeze isn't actually a bad guy. He just had a really bad Christmas as a kid. That's all. <laughs> he just wants to have a nice one. Just once. <laughs> Well, speaking of speaking of Christmas, do you remember at the beginning when we see like uh, what Snow Miser and he's getting all of his goons in hockey gear to sing along to it? Like he's he's sort of making them a choir. Sing louder! Sing! Sing, sing louder. louder! Louder! Come on! Sing! 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 Come on! Yes! Come on! It's, dude, it's so he's in his little like his little polar bear footies and like his his robe. It's so cute. He's. He used to do the totally pajamas. And all his henchmen had frozen dinners and their forks were yes, stuck in it, they but they were all it. frozen. And Why so were they, they were... working for him? You know. <laughs> and you remember when we were seeing the one chase scene and there's like, there's Mr. Freeze and there's one guy that's really into it. And then there's another henchman who's riding. He's like, I don't know why yeah, I'm here. There was the third henchman. He just looked unsure of himself. He looked scared. That was, oh, that was when they were driving down the hand of that statue. Yes, that, he was driving down the hand. Yeah. And then they were, yeah, he was all looking and then Batman stopped Robin's bike, whatever. But he was just scared. He didn't even, we're not going to make it, boss. Uh. Oh, that guy's name was Frosty. That was his name. Oh, he was Frosty. Yeah, that was Frosty. Yeah, he... And then, what? Arnold loved talking to him. Like, he was like, come here. And it wasn't so he could, like, do anything useful. He just needs someone to talk to and explain his plans to. He's just his buddy. I've gone so lonely since my wife. I need someone to tell all of my plans to. Yeah, he's like, come over here. And he talks to him for not even a minute. And he's like, all right, get the fuck out of here. I got to talk to my wife. And he's like, oh, sure, boss. Do you remember that one time that he's just watching a video of his wife and then some guy's like, hey, boss, we need you in here. He freezes him. I hate when they talk during a movie. It just keeps that is, you hired him. This is your fault. He brought you good information. <laughs> I think um, one thing with the freeze gun at the at the very beginning, the freeze gun, I don't fully understand its physics. So it's it's a beam, let's say an energy beam or whatever. Yeah, it that freezes. freezes things. It has enough propulsion, apparently, to stop him from falling from the from from, from like orbit. Yeah, he was he was almost in whatever. He was at like ten thousand feet or something, and he just I, fell. Also, pulling out these metal wings that were just sick. <laughs> we, I mean, it was so cool. But I just went over to Nick and I said, "What is ice related about this? And how are metal wings per- <laughs> pulling you like this?" He just thought about it. He thought about it earlier. Wait, how are we forgetting? The the surfboards. Oh my the god, surfboards. the surfboards. So when they're 30,000 feet in the air, they're like inside of like a bomb that will freeze all of Gotham. It, it's it like a rocket, basically, yeah. So uh, Batman's like, okay, we're going to explode this. And then Robin goes, okay, that's cool, but how are we getting down? And he just says, watch this. He pulls out a piece of metal that's shaped like a surfboard, and they like 
and they just they sl- surf the wave down they man. surf down the air and you just see robin yelling cowabunga it's so good it's like spy kids 3 it's the immediate thing uh, i thought of when they're surfing in the lava and then it's like not cold you see them like bring down mr freeze while they're doing that but then robin gets off his path or whatever and has to slide down a roof so he hits with full force his body on a surfboard onto a roof of gotham and just slides down it like, oh, no, my whole body isn't broken right now. And then he just continues falling to the ground. Like, what was his plan at that point? We never saw him grapple or anything. So he was just, I'm, I'm taking this all the way, I guess. Wait, why? Yeah, why wouldn't he grapple? Especially since every time they use a grapple, it's completely new. No, they, they have never like use the same ga- grapple mm-hmm. twice. They all they all have different grapples. It's very I mean it's good branding. I that if any if anything, Bruce Wayne, great marketer. Great marketer. Fantastic branding on all the stuff. I mean the Batmobile, Batcave, Robin, just all all, all really Everything good. Everything has the logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I you don't like the Robin. No, I I don't like the Robin logo. You like it. I prefer I the, like R. the Robin. I, I like the Robin logo just because it, it mirrors the Batman one in the same in the same kind of shape. But one thing I think that we are forgetting is the Bat credit card. The Bat credit card was my favorite part of this movie, and never he never leave the leaves cave the without cave it. Without it. Uh. <laughs> it never expires. And that's just when that's just when they're trying to outbid Robin and Batman are trying to outbid each other. Because after she got out of the gorilla suit, Poison Ivy comes down and she's like hey you can bet yourself for me and also i'm gonna wear these diamonds um and batman and robin just start going like one million two million so that they can like get a date with her what i'm thinking is do they what do people think of the fact that batman has like a million dollars to bet on a date like what are people thinking about that i mean in my head i was thinking it was just a bat credit card he was never gonna pay it off no it's just to the city of gotham the taxpayers will get it (laughs) No! That's that's what I'm assuming. Like, if he goes to Starbucks or something, it's just, it's on them, I guess. You know, he's the protector. This is, this is the same thing that me and Clark were talking about with that Spider-Man tax. Do you remember when I explained to you that bit? No, what? Explain the Spider-Man tax. Well, Clark had a bit going when we were in the car just explaining how all the villains hate him because everything that Spider-Man pays for is gone through the city, which means there's like a 5% sales tax on... On everything. On all goods. And the entire time, Clark would just be yelling in my ear, like a Green Goblin voice, Can Spider-Man come out to pay? And it was the dumbest thing ever. But you have just recreated it in Batman and Robin. You're welcome. The Bat credit card is a mainstay, and I really think, if anything, that should come back to the universe. If Matt Reeves wasn't a coward, he would bring it into the Batman 2. We've lost our way for so long since the Bat credit card. Why can't we crawl back to salvation? So, last thing for this movie, how do we how do we feel about pacing? Because last time with Tetris, we were gawking over how great the pacing was. How do we feel in this movie? Um... I mean, I don't think there's bad pacing. There's always those moments you have when you're like, okay, we need to have a heartfelt moment with Alfred because he's dying. And it's like, okay, let's show more of Barbara because we have to introduce her. Uh, the action scenes never felt like bad pacing because you're always seeing a new thing that's like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. It's awesome. Yeah, all of it, all of the stuff through this movie was over the top and it was extremely goofy. It wasn't at all. Like, it was... There was a lot of, I, I guess, ri- like childlike wonder almost with almost all the set design and everything. Even Mr. Freeze's suit had like 50 blue lights on him and he was chromed out. But I think it's cool because it fits everything else he's doing in the movie and everything else around him. So like it's goofy, but it's goofy that it works. And I think one thing that I really hated 
also when you talk about Alfred is every time they were having a touching moment with Alfred, it would you would just turn somewhere and there would just be a flashback of when him, Bruce, and Alfred were like younger. And it was just every time we saw Alfred, it just, oh, flashback. I, I know. I like it just because in these movies, we don't really um, talk about the obvious father-son connection that would have happened with Alfred when his parents, uh, when Bruce's parents died. I liked it for that. But I'm thinking this is supposed to be like the fourth movie. Is this the time that we're supposed to understand that? Um I, I thought the moments looked nice, though. It probably just fell out of pe- place in the whole movie. It, I, I think that's what it, it, it took me out of what they were talking. It's like, oh, it's Tiny Bruce now. Okay. But I think uh, I agree completely with what you're saying with pacing, where I think all the fights felt completely like warranted whenever they were happening, and it didn't feel like, oh, okay, we're fighting again. Yeah. It just all made sense. And e- even down to... Like, the choreography a lot of the time, the choreography made sense within context of the fight or, like, what Mr. Freeze would do. Like, in the very beginning when Batman and Robin are looking fighting against Freeze, they uh, Batman gets the gun and aims it back at Freeze to freeze him, and he just grabs it and throws Batman, like, using the gun. And I think that's cool. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and just overall, I think this movie was so over the top that it was great from a comic book standpoint and just feeling fun. I mean... I'm going to say this movie was a great time for me, but I'm also going to say if somebody said this was the worst movie ever made, I would say, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> uh, it, it's not. Yeah, it's not cinema for by any means. It just so happens that I'm really big fan of the worst movies ever made. That's how I am. If it's really bad, I love it. Yeah, like Moonfall. Moonfall's horrible. Have you I watched have, have you seen Moonfall? I've not seen Moonfall. Oh my I'm down God. to watch Moonfall. Oh, on we, sh- we should point. definitely wear Moonfall sometime. It is oh, such a horrible, horrible movie. But um over what do we how about ratings? What are we gonna think out of five? Well before we get to that, I have one more question for you. Was George Clooney a good Batman? Because this is his first and yeah. only time being Batman outside of uh spoiler, obviously, the Flash. Yeah. Um, I think he was a, I didn't like the Bruce Wayne bits as much, but I like them better than the, what's the Birdman guy's name? I can never remember his name. No, Birdman. Oh, Birdman Michael Keaton. Yeah. I, I, I I like his Bruce Wayne a lot better than Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne because Michael Keaton just felt he was just quiet and he was all like kind of in himself and it just, I I didn't like, there was no billionaire playboy kind of feel to it versus George, George Clooney. I can totally see that. And they were like, Oh, Bruce, are you going to like marry anytime soon? And he was like, I'm not really the marriage type kind of thing, whatever. I think that was really cool. And I also think his Batman was good. Wait, why even was that love story in there? I don't know. It, it had was, no importance. It was completely shoehorned in. There's there's this woman that he has, like, by his side the whole time, and you see her, like, every once in a while, and she would go, when are you going to marry me? We've been dating for a year. And he's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit wild. It's like maybe three or four scenes max. And even then, it's like, it's she's so just, it's arm candy, and then she's like, maybe we should get married. And then she just leaves the movie. That's it. Yeah, the only reason I can imagine she was in this was just to show the Poison Ivy effect. Because when uh, she's talking to him, he starts hallucinating Poison Ivy instead. So sort of showing the effect of like the, the her, poison or whatever her magical them. stuff she whiffs out the, of her mouth. The pheromones. The pheromones. Yeah, yeah, the pheromones. Uh, besides that, there's no point to her. 
I will agree with you, though. The suave on uh, George Clooney works really well with Bruce Wayne. And he's also really good at delivering a Batman, although it's not very expressive. But let's be honest, Batman isn't expressive. No, even with that, with that much of a cowl, too, and just at this... In this time for Batman, he had the full cowl. So, yes. like, even in the Michael Keaton one, it was the whole thing down to his shoulders. He couldn't even turn his neck. He couldn't. You, and so you made the connection that every time Batman looks up, he has to do sort of like a G mod thing yeah, where his whole body, his whole, his whole torso, has to look up with him. But so I think, and as Batman, like at the end of the movie, he has a very, very serious, like one-on-one, heart-to-heart, almost with Mister Freeze to turn him around, saying like, you know, that Victor Freeze is still in there. He's good. I can take you to Arkham. You can continue your research to save your wife. And I think that bit is really good. I think only the music in it kind of ruined it for me because it was just so light and airy and almost like bubbly. This music isn't good. No, I really besides the. Batman, just the Batman theme. The Batman I really, theme is I good. I really didn't like any of it. And the like, Mr. Freeze song. Every was... time we go into a different club, might it may be like the, the charity event or like when she finds some like, what, a, a Turkish bath to yeah. raid? That had the worst music ever. This soundtrack is bad. And it this whole movie, including the soundtrack, especially the soundtrack, remind me of that first live action Scooby-Doo movie on like, what is that, Spook Island? Uh, that was one of them. I don't know, but yeah, that it it definitely does have that same, I I guess almost canned feel, oh, I guess yeah. is the best way to put it. So overall, I'm I'm giving it. I'm I'm thinking a. For pure like, the writing and like like cinema wise, yeah. I'm giving it a two, mm-hmm. not not even I'm giving it a one, <laughs> but for just pure enjoyment and how I feel about the movie, I'm thinking like a three because I really had a lot of fun with the movie even though it's not great. I'm I'm gonna probably give it a three and a half simply because I'm going to be genuine. I really enjoy bad products. If it makes me laugh my ass off like that did, it's it's going to get a high score because we died laughing so many times especially when we saw the last fight with poison ivy when robin fell into like a vat of water when he's coming out of the water he completely gets out and he's like gasping for air but then they just reverse back the footage it's so he's falling back in the water it's it's just completely it's not even they didn't hide it there's no cut it's just oh it pops out okay put it back back in the water it's so bad I, oh my if you I had to reverse it i was just so surprised they would do that it's so obvious it's so bad why if wouldn't you just have him come out of the water if you're not gonna watch this movie for anything at least watch it for the back credit card and that it's just so good Outside of Batman and Robin, we want to talk a little bit about some of the news that's happening in uh, the movie industry because uh, we're in July of 2023 and there is a lot of stuff that's been happening with movies. Not only are we in a time when there's going to be still so many new blockbusters that are coming out, but we're also having an unprecedented, sorry, not unprecedented, we're having a strike predicament that hasn't happened in 60 years with both the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild going on strike at the same time. And um, it's just an important time in, like, cinema history that we want to talk a little bit about. Specifically, just everything that's happening with negotiations. Um, Once you know that uh, Tom Cruise is on the board talking with uh, both executives and screen actors about a... um, like about a deal regarding AI and stuntmen, you know that stuff has gone down. Because Tom Cruise is like... 
I don't know, he's like the lifeguard for movies. If something's happening that's like going against them, he goes for it. He always puts himself out there, but I have on my on my phone here, I got two other, a few other actors like uh, Bob Odenkirk and Kevin Bacon also mm-hmm. joined. Um, Bob Odenkirk has been a part of this protest since yeah. like the WGA went on strike. And also a uh, congressman in California, uh, Adam Schiff. Has oh, shown yeah. his support a lot, mainly because Kevin Bacon did, so he was like, awesome. Adam Schiff, yeah, he's a... Man, he's... He la- likes to latch on to stuff like this. He was one of the biggest people about the impeachment of Trump, but obviously being a representative of California, it's very good for him to like be very supportive towards um, lower-class actors, like you see in these screen actors and writers who obviously need um, uh, this contract to be signed that will keep them... Uh, employed yeah keep them employed keep them uh with their rent and obviously if you just see oh yeah california is still keeping up workers rights for movies then you're gonna keep hollywood um pretty well centered it's not gonna be going off into other places like uh where else atlanta atlanta has a decent film program yeah i know um at least right now um the the uh like sag has only joined like pretty recently right it wasn't only like a week ago or it was something. only a week ago yeah but um wow i lost what the fuck i was saying <laughs> oh um so that like all things all actors like any showings that they'll have any like cons or anything is completely on halt right now. And one thing I also saw is that, so Margot Robbie was making the rounds for the Barbie movie yes. and going around and people were getting mad that she had an Australian accent instead of the Barbie accent to the point where they were like messaging her on social media is just like drop the accent. It's just like, Wait. like they don't want her what? to talk like that. Yeah. And it was, it was while she was on tour, people were saying that the tour got cut short because of the SAG stuff, yeah, but yeah. they were pissed that she was Australian, that she was talking in an Australian accent. Whose first time finding out that she's Australian is for Barbie? I have no idea. And who, I couldn't believe that the most avid, like, people who'd attack her is for the Barbie movie. Not like any others, not like the Suicide Squad or anything else. Uh, speaking of the red carpet stuff, you actually saw the UK premiere of Oppenheimer, um... They started uh, right uh, before the strike, like an hour before, and um, you just saw the entire cast uh, basically leave their own opening because they saw that the strike got um, got confirmed. So you had them all leave, and you just had Christopher Nolan do the whole opening. Uh, and that's probably what's going to be happening right about now. It's only going to be directors because you can't have writers on, and you can't have a, and you can't have a cast, and nobody cares about producers. Mm-hmm. They did you see the haunted mansion? Uh, thing no, I didn't. they had their red carpet they had it at the haunted mansion um in disney world i think or disneyland yeah. um the only person that showed up was the director so you know what they did they got disney cast members on the red carpet they got Minnie mouse on the red carpet for haunted mansion which is probably another 100 million dollar movie because what lakeith stanfield owen wilson i forgot who else is in it but those are the big ones yeah those are the big people. they're all gone Oh my gosh. For, I mean, I think it's, in general, this is pretty scary for, like, the consumer side. Because for the next year, we're just going to have shit. We're gonna- <laughs> if, if we have anything, it's just going to be garbage. Because there's there's been a writer strike yeah. for, for, like, months at this mm-hmm. point. It's been going on for a while. Yep. And so now that also, since SAG has gone into it, too, that's just any projects that we have either are going to have just 
bad actors and bad writing or it's just not going to happen. And anything we have that's in the works is going to get postponed or just left. Uh, yeah, Deadpool is completely postponed right now. They were going to film during the writer's strike, even though that meant Ryan Reynolds can do little to no yeah. improvisation. But now uh, with uh, that strike, it's just held off indefinitely. You know how bad it is? You know how bad this strike is? Mm. Bill Nye is a SAG member. Wow, really? He can't. He can't act anymore. Apparently, what he did was considered acting, and he can't do it anymore. Yeah, that's, wow, that's pretty bad, but, I mean, that's cool. We can, we're going to see, like we did in uh, 2007 and 2008 when the writer's strike was happening, we're going to see a large upswing in, uh, uh, I guess, re-releases. They're putting uh, Yellowstone, and they're putting Miss Marvel onto ABC and, like, CBS because they have no new shows the, they can do. Like the Disney Plus show, Miss Marvel? They're putting the Disney Plus show, Miss Marvel, on the ABC because they can't build anything new. Um, and you're going to see, because of this, what happened last time, a giant uptick in reality shows, which require no writers and no actors. Um, and let me tell you, it's not good television. No, but that's pretty We're interesting. Love volcano. Um, <laughs> volcano. That's pretty. God, what, what did you just say? Like the the about Miss Marvel. Uh, yeah, um, I think that's actually pretty interesting because then there is a possibility that we can see a trend of that more of streaming with, uh, of cable, yeah, yeah, like streaming exclusives moving over to cable, and not that it's gonna be huge, but just that. So cable will maybe get a breath of life in it to something. Yeah. Because it would pull away from, hey, buy our streaming service. But then also, if someone sees it and they're like, oh, it's a Disney Plus show, maybe I should get Disney Plus. I mean, this is going to probably feed both of them in different ways while also hurting them. Mm -hmm. If you have cable uh, not able to make new content, you're going to have them uh, bring in content from other streaming services. But at the same time, what if that runs dry? Or how long do you think people will really be interested in that? Once cable starts running out of original stuff, people are going to go, let's just see what's on streaming. And that's the whole catalog of everything. So obviously, this might hurt cable a lot more than it hurts streaming. It's overall, this thing is going to hurt everybody until they agree to a contract. And I love this statistic. Um, I, I'm not sure how true it is. I did read it somewhere. Um, the financial um, goal that they're trying to reach for both things, for both strikes... If you were to get the top 10 largest paid executives in Hollywood and get 5% of their incomes, that would pay it off. I mean, I saw in some, it was some video on Twitter at one of those strikes where a guy was saying like in 1960 or something, like the head was making for like 40,000 a year or like 40 times more than his smallest guy. More, and, and now, now he's 4, making 400, like 400, 4,000. Yeah, that like was this, Sean Gunn. Yeah, that's an insane amount that nobody should be paid that much for, especially at that level. What Realistically, what is that executive doing for the industry besides signing his name on shit? And then you had Ron Perlman come out with a, uh, God, he's the best. I love Hellboy. He came out with a speech saying, uh, well, there's stuff. He was talking about how some guy said, some executive who hasn't been disclosed yet said, we're going to keep this strike going until people lose their homes. Yeah, until people like are evicted and start starving. That, yeah. that was a and, direct quote. And Ron Perlman said, there are many ways to lose homes. Saying shit like that is one of them. Like he was basically saying, if we find out who said this, we're going after him. Oh, it, was, it wasn't even a little. It was a threat. It yeah, was a full-on full threat. threat. Yeah, and people, I, as he should. That's completely yeah. valid. If dude. you're trying to take people's homes away just because you don't want to pay them residuals on streaming, then that might be you being a little greedy. Most people think it's Bob Iger that said that. 
I, I don't know exactly why, but he's been the most vocal on interviews with saying he's yeah. very disappointed by what the yeah, strikers that's what are demanding. He was saying that people were demanding too much, yeah. that it was it wasn't reasonable. But um outside of like outside of the strike news, um the just like little other things. Also, yeah. Oppenheimer only took fifty seven days to shoot. Incredible. That's insane. I'm thinking I'm thinking what would cause that, and I think the main thing is the the set what we've seen from trailers has them all on like the little thing in the desert on the uh lot where they're all planning this out with their families mm. i imagine if that's like where they shot most of the movie at so it just made it a lot easier oh, that's to, like, true yeah uh gosh i'm so excited for oppenheimer it's gonna be good that's, it's soon too yeah. it's, it's that's what, gonna the be 21st? our next wham isn't it probably it, three days is that when it comes out because it's the 21st right it does come out this friday yeah yeah so we could we could totally see that this friday and then yeah. wham that that'd be sick yeah it's gonna be sick but um also, and then that new Willy Wonka movie that's going to be coming. Yeah, that got a trailer. It's, I mean, it's okay. Um, I think Timothy Chalamet shouldn't have been cast in it. He doesn't bring a lot of energy to it. I think the whimsical bit and like the, I guess, childlikeness that Willy Wonka has will probably work in that. But I don't yeah. think he doesn't seem like the head of a candy company kind of deal. You I don't know what know. this screams to me? Because mm -hmm. it's like another prequel that has a lot to do with building a business. It screams that Cruella movie. Like the 101 Dalmatian prequel with Emma Stone. Oh, 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 yeah, that sucked. Cruella, yeah. Yeah. It was. <laughs> what, you didn't like when her family got killed by Dalmatians? No. <laughs> it was horrible. But um, I like the. One thing I did really like is the costume design yeah. in that trailer from what I saw. And the Oompa Loompa is like the orange and green hair one yeah, from yeah. the original. Was that Dean Norris? It was Dean Norris, but I didn't like that it wasn't. It was a. It was a CG'd person yeah. to be short. I think we could have presented a fantastic opportunity to get, um, what's the PC term for? I, you can just say small people. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody's ever said like small people is bad. I guess I'm so. sure there's another term, but, um, but I'll just. Con I, I would have preferred people. if they just cast more small people, like they did in the like they did in the '70s one. Yeah. Or even in the whatever the most recent like 2000. Seven, two thousand ten, I guess. Yeah. Um, the Tim Burton one, it was a pretty small guy that was just kind of sized down a little bit CG. Yeah. But I still like that, and I just don't. I don't I, like the big actor on Tiny Body too. Yeah. I think it looks weird. It looks weird, and let's be honest here, there are going to be a ton of small people who are actors, and like they will get typecasted into these roles, and that's unfortunate. It would be better if they got any role they wanted. Peter Dinklage yeah. is kind of getting whatever he wants. You have yeah, to be that's kind of a special, a special, special case just because he's. he's I don't know how he broke out into it's acting of Game so of Thrones, big. I think. Yeah, but People, even then, I don't know how. I'm saying like I don't know how he got into that position where it wasn't yeah. for, it wasn't for his stature. I guess at yeah. that point, that's really impressive, honestly, as an actor yeah. to be that they can look past the fact that he is um, just that size and yeah. just for his acting chops. Like you know that movie Underdog, he was in that. I forgot. Oh my god. <laughs> He was the guy from Underdog? He was the bad oh guy my God. from Underdog. I, feel, I completely forgot. <laughs> really? Dude, that's all I always think about with Peter Dinklage. Now all I'm thinking about is like, he Underdog. looks so much like the villain from Banjo, not Banjo-Kazooie, from Crash Bandicoot. That's all I can think about. He Dr. Nefaria. Yeah, he does look like Dr. Nefaria. Oh my <laughs> God. That's so funny. Yeah, but like, if we were just going to start CGing people to be smaller, then that's their industry gone. Yeah, I think it's that's not- horrible. I understand it's like, oh, let's get that big actor. Oh, he'd be a great Oompa yeah. Loompa. I, I get that. But also, it could have been an opportunity, especially during yeah. all the whatever things mm -hmm. that are going on right now. That would have looked great. You want to know something worse? Hmm. Uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, uh, the first teaser photo went for that. 
there's one person who is short and the rest of them are like uh five foot six or yeah five. they're just like people they're yeah. normal people what are you saying what are you trying to say oh, <laughs> but they the, the reasoning was they didn't want to further any stereotypes i mean i get that but what is the stereotype that like small people are miners i like I, like literally even, mining like, yeah caves? like mining ore, i guess but like I don't know anything about that. Let's say even then, I, the only thing I can think of with stereotypes is each dwarf has their own thing, like whatever. So yeah. one's, one's tired, one's pissed, one's goofy. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. I could of never remember all their where names. Where I could, I guess they could have thought they might land themselves in hot water if they started casting like people like that. And then they would cast some certain race as some certain dwarf. Then they might get in trouble Maybe, for that. But I, I can't guess. even think what it would be. I mean, here's my thing. If you're going to be, if your whole idea is, oh my gosh, uh... If we do the story, we really have to tread on hot water here. If you're thinking that about Snow White, I don't think we should be making the movie. Nobody's asking for a live-action Snow White. Nobody's asking for a lot of these live-action things. They're going to still keep coming. All of the live-action movies, I've never, I've never heard a Disney live-action re-release that people have been like, that's better than the original. N none of them are better than the original. I heard some no. people like Jungle Book. Um, really? Some people, I mean, there's some of them that are okay. Oh, Christopher, Christopher Robin. Walken Monkey. That's oh, yeah, with the ape in Jungle Book. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. And then there's Christopher Robin, which isn't a remake. It's um, it's just like a you know a, a continuation after a sequel. And I thought people like that. If you're going to be doing that, you can bring it live action and then tell a new story, and people will like it. Especially since Christopher Robin, I haven't seen it, but I've heard people say it's so cool to see like this like old. Uh, Winnie the Pooh has like a plush and he's walking around and he's like, oh, my bones. Oh, my bones. <laughs> <laughs> I think all the, even even the, the first thing I think of is the Lion King movie. Like the Lion King movie, yeah. the live action was bad. They made the, a billion dollars. They did. Wow. A billion? Yeah. Like with a B? A, with a B. Damn. That's and, a lot. And I, I wanted to watch it really bad only because I'm a big fan of Donald Glover. I want to see him. Uh, I want to hear him sing the songs from Lion King. Let me tell you, it was so bad, I didn't even get to when it became Donald Glover. Because, like, obviously, that's halfway through the story once you get to Hakuna uh, Matata or whatever. I stopped before then. It was yeah. bad. In the, at the end of that Hakuna Matata song, the kid who sings as whatever, the main character, main Simba. line. Yeah, Simba. He sings, he's flat. Like, the last mm. note that he holds out, the original, it, it's, yeah, but it's flat. It's completely flat, not even mm. a little. It's just not. It's not good. That's but, great. Um, also, there's a Pet Cemetery prequel that's actually in the works. Also. Why did we? I mean, I guess that's fine. It's okay. They. Are the we, movie that released a few years ago didn't do great. Yeah, I mean, especially since like, there's so many Stephen King books, and he's gonna keep writing them forever. Just do another Stephen King yeah. book. Yeah, I mean, that's really. I think that's all we have today. Yeah. You have anything else we want to talk about? Or? No, I don't think so. I think that's. I think that's all there is next time we're probably going to be uh reviewing either oppenheimer or barbie since that's going to be uh, the supposed double feature yeah double feature uh, so look out for one of those yeah um and we're gonna, next week or so maybe something yeah. like that we're also going to try to keep a schedule where we sort of watch mostly new movies but we can talk about classics like batman and robin more yeah we want to at least switch off almost not maybe every other something like that just so we have some variety of new releases and yeah. some older stuff that y'all might see or something like that yeah and anyways, uh, it was a good time on the podcast. I'm Nolan. I'm Nick. And uh, we'll see you uh, for Oppenheimer. See you.